The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. The go through some emails, check your calendar, see that you have a 45-minute break in the day between meetings, realize this is your moment. So you drive right to McDonald's to pick up something extra delicious ASAP meal. Thank you. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's. Buy one of your select faves and get another for just a dollar every morning, like a sausage McMuffin or hash browns. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Valid for product of equal or lesser value. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Cabo meal valid when product served. Tonight, it's the biggest night of the year for podcast fans. Our 2021 iHeartRadio Podcast Awards. These are really some of the best and brightest and smartest and most compelling minds in the country. Celebrate the podcasts we've leaned on for laughs, headlines, stories to get our adrenaline pumping, and voices to comfort us. This is a huge honor. We did it! Thank you to my listeners, because without them, this wouldn't happen. Don't miss our 2021 iHeartRadio Podcast Awards. Watch on iHeartRadio's YouTube and Facebook, and listen on our iHeartRadio app. Tonight at 9 p.m. Welcome in to episode number 36 of the Legal Sports Report podcast. Adam Candy sitting in for the host, Matt Brown, who is a bit under the weather today. We wish Matt the best and we will welcome him back in next week. Each and every week, as Matt likes to say, we are joined by the brightest minds in the industry. With me today, Dustin Gauker. Eric Ramsey will be joining us in just a little bit to talk about his big story about what the heck is going on with an Oregon sports betting contract that is being kept under wraps, even though the state wants it out in public. But uh, Dustin, we've got a big week of stuff. How are you doing? Uh, I'm here. Uh, yeah, it's hard to keep up with all this stuff. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm looking at our agenda here and it's, uh, it, you think something's going to slow down and then all this news happens and it's not slow at all. No, there is nothing slow about the pace of the news going on this week. Folks, if you've just found us, do us a big favor, please go to wherever you get your podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, subscribe, rate, and review. Five-star reviews are always appreciated. We'll even take four-star reviews. If you're thinking about rating lower than that, maybe drop us a line and explain what we could do better other than getting rid of my annoying voice, which I mean, I'm sure you'd love to do, but I can't necessarily guarantee that we can do that for this particular episode or going forward, as a matter of fact. Dustin, let's get right into this big pile of news that we have here. Good piece of information coming from LSR's Matt Cradell, who contacted the folks in Michigan who passed a sports betting law at the end of 2019. But because of the way they're going to do their regulations, looks like we're not going to see sports betting in Michigan anytime soon. At least not online sports betting, right? It's uh, it looks like the, the the process there is going to take uh, more than a year just to get the rules created for for online sports betting uh, up in the up in 2021. So if anybody was hoping to have an app in Michigan uh, this year, you're you're going to be in for a bit of a delay. It's uh, not the end of the world. You know, I I I like seeing states move a little slowly. I think a, more than a year seems uh, not good, but hopefully at the end of the day we just get good policy 
and then moving forward, Michigan has you know really good uh, online sports betting rules and and uh, allows for operators to to operate freely and and well in, in Michigan uh, 2021 and beyond. I think Justin, part of what we're seeing also is that Michigan passed such an enormous package of online gaming bills that it has to write a set of rules and regulations not just for sports betting but for poker for online casino. Uh, they have all sorts of new things that are going to be coming on in the next year or so. And Governor Whitmer said that she does not believe that using emergency rules, which we've seen in other states to get the operations up going sooner, are the appropriate way to go. Yeah, and this is this is a little bit of what we saw in Pennsylvania, right? 2017, they passed this giant expansion, included sports betting, online casino, and we just had online casino launch and uh, tail end of last year. So, you know, there uh, it's a lot to do. It's not like you you should you shouldn't just snap your fingers and start doing online betting. You should make sure you're getting it right. It sounds like retail sports betting will be a, a little quicker in Michigan. You don't have to go through the same rulemaking process because it's just a new gambling quote unquote gambling game that casinos will offer. So you will hopefully see that a little sooner at the, at the commercial casinos in Detroit and possibly at the tribal casinos around the state. But uh, yeah, you're going to have to wait for your, for your online betting app. Sorry about that. Yeah, we know we're looking at a large number of casinos already in operation there, both tribal and some commercial. Uh, all of those will have the opportunity to have one sports betting license partner as well. We've seen some of those deals start to come down, but in terms of the online, probably looking at 2021 before anything get started. Speaking of 2021, Dustin, and potentially far beyond 2021, let's go back to our friends in New York, where Governor Andrew Cuomo gave his state of the state address, and he did not uh, come through with any surprises, did he? Yeah, uh, Governor Cuomo played the Lucy to our Charlie Brown, uh, yanked out the possibility <laughs> of of online sports betting. We had been over the you know last several weeks. We'd say this is a possibility that online sports betting will be in the governor's budget in New York. Uh, you know, wh- who depending on who you talk to, that was either likely or not likely. But it came down, and he uh, did not uh, seem like he was going to be willing to do any kind of casino or gambling expansions, let alone online sports betting. So th- this is going to have to be the hard route if they do it this year they're going to have to uh, do their own legislation that's not linked to the the governor's budget that's that seems like a pretty tricky enterprise uh you know senate passed sports spending legislation last year didn't make the the house it doesn't sound like Cuomo's super excited about this so um yeah we're 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 talking 2020 looking exceedingly unlikely to, to pass online betting this year. We won't roll it out entirely, but uh, until the dynamic changes in New York or, or the governor decides that, that online sports betting is a is a pawn worth moving in larger negotiations, we're, we're kind of in a holding pattern in New York now. Cuomo went even a step farther than just saying no. He called out new forms of casino revenue, supposedly including sports betting, as irresponsible and solving problems that aren't there. And we know that New York is facing a multi-billion dollar budget deficit and that many New Yorkers are traveling over to New Jersey to continue placing their wagers because the only options they have in New York are retail operations that are in upstate. And so uh, Dustin, and I would have to think that once again, the folks in New Jersey must be thrilled. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we say this number a lot. There's something like a quarter of, of some operators uh, um, 
sports wagering is coming from people who live in New York and come to come to New Jersey. So that's that's a not trivial amount of, of money coming through the state. It makes it does make me angry when I hear like this is irresponsible. We're not going to do this. Like, yeah, you're not really banning anything in New York. You're what you're doing is one, like you said, allowing to New Jersey to, to benefit from people crossing the border and go bet legally on there. And you have the offshore sports books. You know, there are there are certainly millions of people in New York betting right now on on their apps and, and online at, at the various offshore sports books. There's no doubt about that. So, you know, you can, you can say you're not really legalizing anything, but you're not, you know, as New York, you're not really banning anything either in any kind of material way because people are doing that. So you should be, you know, you should be looking at this, as you said, as a way to generate revenue. It was sports betting would be a pretty small piece of it in the terms of the overall larger budget. But yeah, when you're facing deficits and you can just add something and say, here's new money, here's found money. Like that seems like a compelling uh, thing to me. So, but yeah, we're, 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 where we we were a little bit optimistic about New York not too long ago. I think uh, we were definitely pumping the brakes on what's going to happen there in the near future. Well, let's shift gears and go then to the other coasts and California's efforts to get legal sports betting going. We talked a couple of weeks ago about a fairly inconsequential hearing that was held at the state legislature in Sacramento, just kind of an opening get to know you session involving some uh, folks from the industry. Now we see that the tribal backed initiative does get its language out on the ballot. And I'll tell you what, Dustin, when I got the first look at this, I was interested to see that the other areas of what the tribes are going for, namely roulette and craps, got mentioned even before sports betting in that ballot initiative. Yeah, you know, this is a this is a. We, we look at this as a sports betting bill for the tribes. This is a much bigger stakes than than just that. They want to operate other things at their at their casinos. Uh, if they can get other table games like like roulette and, and uh, craps, they, they definitely want to do that. Sports betting, I, the, they do want to do, but those things are probably even a, a bigger deal to them. Now, in crafting what the initiative looks like, who knows what's what's uh, most compelling, but this is this is what they want. They, uh, they, they want to have all of these things. They just want new options to offer and they'd like to do it without letting other people in to do it. They, they believe they have uh, the right to do it without letting card rooms and racetracks be involved. So uh, actually this one lets sports betting happen at racetracks. They're really trying to cut out the card rooms in the state, but there's a you know long way to go before this is even a thing. They have to get something like a, just under a million valid signatures to get this on the ballot in November. Uh, it's January now. That's uh, that takes a, a lot of, of legwork and a lot of money to get that, those signatures. And then you have to get it, uh, you know, you have to start spending to get it passed, uh, you know, by a referendum. You have to put put these on TV and, and convince people that you this needs to be done. And because uh, it's no no any referendum is not going to necessarily happen just uh, because you wish it to happen. So, uh, yeah, this is uh, this is the first step for 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 California. This would not legalize online betting. Uh, there is obviously a, another effort in the legislature that would would kind of more widely expand it, but. I'd say this uh, for handicapping it. This one probably has a better chance of happening this year than any than in, than any other effort. Yeah, I think anything at the legislature is essentially a non-starter. There are too many stakeholders to try to get involved. Uh, we know that California's tribes enjoy some protection in the state constitution. Of course, this would change things within the state constitution in the multi-billion-dollar gaming industry in California, and and ultimately, it's just going to be very very difficult to get everyone on the same page when it comes to getting something done in, in California. We know that this would include 
the tribes, of course, and the racetracks, and the racetracks would be taxed at 10%. Uh, our Matt Cradell talked to Jacob Mejia from Pechanga, who said that uh, that same 10% would likely be the contribution from the tribes coming to the state as well as part of their payments uh, back to the state under their compact. For those who are new to this, and I'm newer to this myself, but can you give sort of the, the quick background on why the card rooms, which are left out of this initiative and are not happy about it and have vowed to push against it, and the tribes have the uh, the animosity that they do? Yeah, the big thing, and there's, there's been lots of uh, litigation over this, is that card rooms offer variations of, of table games as well, that they're they're quote-unquote third-party banked games, uh, not that's test, not exactly banked by the dealer without getting into by the casino without getting into too much detail. And the tribes have for a long time uh, said that this is illegal. Um, they have not won that argument in court, um, but it's just, it's a lot of animosity. These two, these two competing groups are just constantly at loggerheads over, over what's happening because the tribal casinos continue to insist and, and would like to have just exclusivity over all forms of gaming in the state outside of obviously horse racing and the, the, the dispensation for, for sports betting the tracks. They don't want to give card rooms anything. Card rooms, again, have been uh, they they want they want a piece of this. They've been operating um, whether depending on where you side on this in a, in a gray area or, or totally in a, in a in a white area. But uh, they just don't like each other. And they're obviously competing for business. If you were to open the door to online betting, that's a that's a whole nother ball of wax that they're they'd be competing for how this happens. We, we I've been following the online poker part of this for for a de- more than a decade and these two these groups just could never get together never agree on anything so to think they're suddenly going to work out all their differences and say yes let's all have online sports betting and we'll all be happy and the, 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 there's a lot of money there for all of them but uh, neither of them really wants the other to be cut in um, and it's never going to be easy getting to a final final place where we have widespread online betting in, in California. Yeah, I did an interview, Dustin, on uh, public radio in, in Southern California alongside someone from the card rooms, uh, uh, Kyle, the head of the card room association. And it was very interesting because the language he was using was very, very strong in terms of what abilities this would give the tribes in order to come after the card rooms in court in the initiative. And so, you know, you can just feel how strongly held and how deeply uh, this thing runs and how many years it goes back and it's playing out now in terms of sports betting. So we know that if that initiative does qualify, we'll definitely see some opposition as well. Uh, speaking of opposition, uh, this is something that you followed very closely. You, in fact, broke the the first news in this story many months ago with rumors of a deal between DraftKings and SB Tech that we finally saw come to fruition last month. And now Camby, who was the partner for DraftKings, I should say is the trading partner for DraftKings, uh, at least for now, uh, if the SB Tech deal goes through, they will be on the outside looking in. And the CEO of Camby uh, gave an interview to another outlet just recently that makes clear that Camby thinks this is a mistake. Yeah, uh, I mean, draft uh, can be backstory. Of this can be kind of help DraftKings get sports betting up and running uh, first in uh, outside of Nevada. They were the first online sports book to launch in New Jersey, thanks to uh, DraftKings solution powered by Canby. They they worked together on this. That DraftKings had fa- famously been working on this. Uh, for uh, for up to a year with Canby before the federal ban was lifted, so they were really uh, you know these two companies were really working together, uh, became uh, an early leader in the New Jersey and other markets, and uh, yeah, this is a 
kind of becoming a public breakup because um, you know DraftKings going public is part of that uh, part of that transaction is acquiring SB Tech, a, an iGaming platform and trading platform. Uh, Camby's said uh, they're uh, they're. CEO told iGaming Business uh, they're disappointed because I couldn't convince them that they are making a mistake. They still firmly believe DraftKings would be best served staying with Camby as a supplier. So it's, uh, you know, what, we're, in, we're entering a world where DraftKings is going to have to change uh, if they're going fully over to the SB Tech platform. And we don't know exactly how fast that happens. Uh, we, they'd have to actually become this public entity first off. And then there's a lot that goes into that. But yeah, this, uh, you know, we're heading toward a world where uh, DraftKings, one of the leading sports books, is not going to be partnered with Camby. Camby, of course, has plenty of other deals, but this is this is definitely their biggest one and a big a big source of revenue for the for the firm, and it definitely impacts their bottom line. Yeah, without question, we we saw that when your reporting first came out, stock price uh, went down. Then DraftKings and Camby signed a renewed deal. Stock price went back up. Then the DraftKings SB Tech news came back out. Stock price went back down. So. We see the volatility there for Canby just based on what's happening with its partnership with DraftKings. You, know, you mentioned some of those other deals. They're uh, tied up with Rush Street and with Penn National. So Canby will have a presence in the U.S. market for years to come, but uh, on the verge, depending on what happens with this merger of losing one of its heavy hitter partners. Other companies that might want to get in are maybe not as... Um, I don't know. I don't know what the right word is. Maybe not as likely uh, as Canby was when we talk about overseas operators. Our Brad Allen with a story just today about the fact that Pinnacle might try to get into the United States. Yeah, Pinnacle is a uh, is a is a darling of the sports betting industry. Offers some of the lowest vig uh, of any of sports, or probably the lowest, I guess. Uh, uh, so they they do not serve the U.S. in any way. They also they uh, have a little bit of a problem in the U.S. because they operated in the United States prior to the unlawful in, uh, Internet Gambling Enforcement Act, um, and and also also have some some presence in gray markets as well. So this is not uh, you know Pinnacle is wants to be in the U.S. market, certainly. Everybody who has any stake in sports betting world is looking for ways to get into the U.S., but it's a little difficult for them. Uh, Yeah, they uh, acquired a a U.K. odds supplier, um, or at least their Pinnacle's owner, Magnus Hedman, acquired an odds supplier. This is, you know, a possible way to, you know, work with trading in the United States. Um, Yeah, I think we'd be overstating and say Pinnacle, like, all of a sudden is is an an option, but certainly Pinnacle would like to find a, a way into the U.S. market. There's certainly lots of companies, most famously the Stars Group, Poker Stars. Poker Stars uh, took poker players in the United States prior to the UIGEA as well. They've managed to become a licensed operator uh, in most of the country outside of Nevada, of course, but which is an ongoing uh, thorn in their side. But Pinnacle, definitely a big player in kind of the global and European sports betting market, uh, would like to be in the U.S. And certainly sports bettors who uh, you know appreciate the value of a, of a good line would like to see Pinnacle come to the United States somehow as well. It'll be very, very interesting to see how they're treated by U.S. regulators uh, throughout the country as you get a look at the gray markets that they're still involved in. But you know, as you said, it's happened with the Stars Group. Stranger Things have happened, and we're looking at Stranger Things happening in West Virginia, Dustin, as well. It's looking like, according to a report we saw today in uh, in Charleston, West Virginia, that Wheeling Island and Mardi Gras, our, our friends with the old Bet Lucky app who had to shut down because of the Delaware North Miami dispute, 
uh, according to the lottery commission and the lottery director, looks like they might be getting back in sometime soon. Yeah, uh, there's only five casinos in West Virginia, and two of them, because of all because of this mess that's happened in West Virginia, have not have any kind of online or retail sports betting. Uh, Wheeling Island and Mardi Gras, as you said. So, um, if you're in West Virginia, you had kind of limited options. You do have DraftKings and FanDuel. Actually, BetMGM just launched as well uh, through a partnership in the state. So you have your your things are looking up in West Virginia. Um, it's the, the market's definitely you know as we watched it kind of underperformed from what's going on and how much revenue has been generated versus the population there. So more operators, more options for, for the state. Uh, you know, that should only, only be good things both for, for consumers there, but also for the state as it tries to generate uh, revenue from sports betting. If you are unfamiliar with why those casinos had to stop their sports betting operations, and it was very abrupt last March when they did, I would highly suggest you go to LegalSportsReport.com go under our West Virginia state page and find the article that Eric Ramsey did going through court documents from multiple countries and breaking down exactly how that failure came to be. It's a wild story that definitely is worth your time to look a little bit deeper into. We're turning our attention now to our big story of the week, and we bring in Legal Sports Report's Eric Ramsey, who wrote the article about Oregon and SB Tech, uh, some ongoing legal issues there, public records requests. Eric, as he was with the West Virginia story that we just mentioned, deep into the weeds in trying to get uh, the contract between SB Tech and Oregon out into the public light. And uh, Eric, why don't you take us through the basics of what's going on here? Yeah, I mean, to make a long story short, um, we're being sued in Oregon. I've never even set foot in that lovely state and we're uh, we're being, being sued. This is, uh, like you said, this started just with a pretty simple attempt to get some info about the revenue. Uh, you remember SB Tech has an exclusive deal to operate the scoreboard app for the Oregon Lottery. The details of that contract are not public, so there's no insight into how much revenue each party is getting. Now, this is something obviously that we track on our revenue tracker that Matt Brown likes to plug. And it's also in lottery states, something that's sort of fundamentally important to the public interest because these are public agencies, public dollars, public games. It's important to have an accounting of this. So just out of a simple request to get this, we are now in court with SB Tech doing everything it can to keep us from seeing this contract. The lottery has sort of backed down from its opposition. The DOJ has once decided in our favor already, but now we are headed to court to try to uh, try to enforce this attorney general order, essentially. And Eric, the initial public records request did yield a version of the contract. It's just that pretty much any important detail in terms of the revenue was redacted, right? Yeah, it's a, you know, it's something I, I haven't seen before. And it sounds like the Oregonian, which also filed a request, hasn't seen this before. It, it was almost insultingly redacted. Uh, again, I, I really only wanted a pretty simple breakdown of where this money was going, but things redacted included like definitions for gross gaming revenue and, and all of the very most basic contractual terms. So 
sort of, you know, raises an eyebrow a little bit and, and makes it that much more important to kind of uncover what, what, not that they're hiding anything in there. I don't really think there's anything sinister, but it's important to know how they're defining terms like revenue in the, in, for a public agency. Yeah. For me, again, in a different world, I, this would, this would have been me doing it. Eric now doing the Lord's work and, and, and doing the stuff for us. So I, I appreciate that both as your boss and as your, uh, as an Oregon resident. So again, thank you for all of that, Eric, but it's, it's kind of mind boggling to me. This is a single source provider to the lottery like how this how not this isn't a public thing like that everybody should be able to see is is kind of mind-boggling that's that's where i come from it you know even outside of just gaming and all of this stuff that we cover and that we're in the weeds like this is this to me is something that's like definitely in the public interest and, and we should we should know this information I yeah what's clear, clear what guys yeah Go ahead, Sorry, Eric. Just to, just to kind of round out the thought there, what they're claiming is essentially trade secrets. They're trying to protect this contract, claiming that it, it contains proprietary trade secrets that would put it at a competitive disadvantage if it was divulged to the public. Um, you know, there I'm, I'm sure, again, there are some things in the contract that are that are confidential or somewhat guarded. Uh, but when you th there's really no. Um, excuse, frankly, to redact simple definitions and things like that. Those, there's no reasonable argument that that those are trade secrets. Yeah, there so. was like a there was a middle ground between releasing the whole contract and giving us like the little bits of information that I think are are super important for the public to know. That's that's where I'm coming at it from. I don't need to know, and I, I agree. There's probably are things in that contract that SB Tech doesn't want and shouldn't have to divulge. But you know, there there are things that they should. And the, the issue here, it, it may not have escalated to this point except that the public data we're getting is problematic, essentially. The, the only bit of info we have is that SB Tech is getting between 9 and 11% of revenue, roughly. That's sort of the, the range we have. But the lottery has lost more than $2 million from sports betting since, since it launched. So something there, there's a bunch of money that's unaccounted for here, and I, it's important to find out where it is. Yeah. Again, as, a, as an Oregon resident, I want to know where the money's going. That's, that's, that's like everybody in Oregon should want to know. And guys, you know, we can look at other states for precedent in which we know more details, right? There are many other states that have lottery-related contracts. I mean, New Hampshire made its process very transparent right from the jump. And we found out just how much of revenue each of those operators was going to offer as a percentage share. It ultimately was DraftKings selected at 50%. And so we know that there are other places in the country where it has been much less of a hassle to try to get this information when it comes to how publicly uh, public money, tax money is being spent. Yeah, you actually wrote an article that I referenced when I was doing some research on this about both Delaware and Rhode Island and the way they distribute revenue. And I mean, I think you were, it looks like from your article that you were emailing directly with the lottery director in Delaware and he told you exactly what the revenue share was. It's usually not difficult to get this information. It's really not uh, uh, and uh, it, the, the ask shouldn't raise anybody's eyebrows. It's a pretty common thing for us to ask for this, and we usually have no problem getting it. So something is a, just a little strange with the way it's playing out in Oregon. And Eric, what, when do we find out more about what's going on here? We actually just got a date for the hearing today. It was supposed to be earlier this week, but we had to reschedule. It is now February 6th, and it looks like SB Tech is, is really going to fight this. They want to send their CEO over from Malta to, to testify in person. So February 6th, we are before a judge in Salem, Oregon. Uh, looking forward to finding out more about what's going on there. You know, it's one of those things where I think just 
you know, as journalists, you see a company fighting as hard as SB Tech is fighting, and it makes you more and more curious as to what's actually behind the veil and what they're fighting so hard to hold on to. And of course, they're suing not just uh, Legal Sports Report, not just the Oregonian. They're now suing the state because the state had ordered that this information be released. So it's pretty much uh, SB Tech versus the world on this. And not just the state, but also their partner and regulator for Oregon sports betting. The, the lottery initially initially supported SB Tech and didn't want to release this. But once they sort of dropped their opposition, SB Tech added them to the list of defendants. So just an interesting dynamic to sue your partner in a, in a state where you've just launched, essentially. I, I, I just got snow tires on the car, so I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I might uh, make the trip over across the mountains here to, to, to see this court case. We'll see. Um, but it's uh, yeah, it's it, the whole thing is, is kind of wild to me. And it, it would be nice if we, yeah, you know, if it would be a different story to me if it wasn't a state-run single operator lottery sports betting product. You can, you know, if you're if you come into this and think that you you have like this should be public information. If you're uh, you're doing pu- private contracts, dealing with private operators, or there are multiple operators doing this, then uh, I think you'd have a better case. But this is this is the the state lottery, which is this money benefits the state. Um, we, I think we really have a, a we we have a desire and a need to know what's going on here. And uh, again, just as a as a concerned resident of Oregon, I I, I applaud you, Eric. Yeah, sorry to drag your your state through uh, through court here, buddy, but it's for a good cause. You know, the good thing is ultimately uh, now Dustin's tax money is being spent on the LSR side of this <laughs> as opposed to on the other side of it. So it's working out well uh, in, in the Man, long I run. Had, I, had Z- I had Zion in the under last night on points. That was, that was, they made a little <laughs> money off me last night here in Oregon. So Perfect. Perfect. That means we uh, that means you are contributing to the LSR cause with money that, that LSR pays you. So, hey, it's, it's an interesting dynamic there. Uh, <laughs> guys, we we appreciate your time. As always, we always are grateful for the minutes you spend with us here on the Legal Sports Report podcast. If you're looking for more information, you can always find us on Twitter at LSP Report, of course, at Legal Sports Report dot com. Find Dustin on Twitter at Dustin Gauker, Eric at Eric underscore Ramsey. I'm at Adam Candy. Two E's, no Y. For Matt Brown, he'll rejoin us next week. For Dustin and for Eric, I'm Adam. See you out there. Go through some emails, check your calendar, see that you have a 45-minute break in the day between meetings, realize this is your moment. So you drive right to McDonald's to pick up something extra delicious ASAP. Meal. Thank you. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's. Buy one of your select faves and get another for just a dollar every morning, like a sausage McMuffin or hash browns. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Valid for product of equal or lesser value. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Cabo meal valid when product served. The go through some emails, check your calendar, see that you have a 45-minute break in the day between meetings, realize this is your moment. So you drive right to McDonald's to pick up something extra delicious ASAP. Meal. Thank you. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's. Buy one of your select faves and get another for just a dollar every morning, like a sausage McMuffin or hash browns. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Valid for product of equal or lesser value. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Cabo meal valid when product served. 
Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.